Many Christian parents lament that their children's public school is a virtual breeding ground for chaos or a postmodern worldview or worse, drug trafficking. Um, evolutionary thought comes into the mix, bullying, sexual perversity, pro-abortion propaganda, a radical left-wing and LGBT agenda, among many other activities that parents frankly find unsavory. So let's say the lion's share of public schools truly are that unhealthy. Let's say that public schools truly are Junior's only educational option. And let's say that taking God and prayer out of the schools really was the beginning of the end for America's once stellar public education system. Then what, if anything, can we do? And how can we equip our kids to be doing these same things to transform it? That's going to be our topic, a tough one, on today's License to Parent. Hello and welcome to License to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long therapeutic residential Christ-centered program for kids in crisis. Uh, our host on License to Parent is the founder and director of Shepherds Hill, Trace Embry. I'm Rich Rosel. And Trace, this is a topic that you and I scratch our heads about quite a lot and talk about a lot. There have been lots of news stories about America's public school systems in, in recent years, and almost none of them are pretty stories, especially mm-hmm. in light of uh, the most recent very tragic school shootings. It it really doesn't seem that these are the same public school systems that you and I grew up in and, and, and grew up seeing. It's yeah. changed quite a lot even in the last 10 years. What do you see going on in, in public education? Oh, boy. Yeah, well, you know, I have to be frank with you, Rich. Uh, you know, even though I, I definitely think there's a point to be made about it, I, I, I get a little weary of hearing Christians moaning the blues over the past 60 years uh, about our government taking God and prayer out of the public school system and then doing little to nothing about it themselves. Uh, and I'm not saying that nobody has attempted to do anything about it because today's guest is a great example of someone who, you know, actually is doing something. Uh, but with the infrastructure uh, the church has had and, and still has here in America— I think collectively, as the body of Christ, we could be doing a whole lot more. And, um, you know, beyond just being allowed to pray in school, I'm thinking about bringing Christ more to the forefront of of the hearts and minds of our citizenry as a whole, uh, not just in our schools. I I think we got complacent. I think we got comfortable, Rich. And as much as I hate to say it, I think we got lazy. Yep. Uh, We we equated being an American with being a Christian. And, you know, today we're seeing how that's been working out for us. But, you know, thank God for young people like today's guest to uh, help get things turned around. Uh, You look down through history and all great revivals started with young people. They got the energy to do it. And uh, thank God for it. Well, and I want to tell you before we give you the name of today's guest, we had him and his dad on the program. Um, I'm thinking it's been maybe three years ago or so. And at the time, we had a conversation with them about the benefits of keeping our kids in public school because um, he and his family have all been proponents for making use of the public school system, but mm-hmm. because as young, mature Christians, we can have an impact for Christ. Mm-hmm. And it was an amazing story back then. If you want to go to licensedparent.org, you can look up that program after you finish hearing this one. Our guest is Jordan Whitmer. He's the founder and CEO of How to Life Movement. Uh, Jordan has been raised in a passionate Christian family. He and his dad, Rick Whitmer, who is the Senior Director of Mobilization for Ron Hutchcraft Ministries, uh, were both on the program, as I mentioned. And um, that was when Jordan started standing up 
and speaking his faith into the lives of fellow students and teachers in his school. And since that time, and this is this is really amazing, he has clearly chosen to own his faith as a leader to share Jesus with his generation. That movement that I mentioned ago, the one that Jordan started, How to Life Movement, uh, has now had 27 completely teen-led events in 10 states around the country. It's continuing to expand rapidly. Uh, incidentally, Jordan is a graduate of Liberty University, so he's continued his foundation in uh, in Christian teaching. In fact, he has a bachelor's degree in biblical studies. And uh, Jordan, it is a pleasure to have you with us once again on Licensed to Parent. Thank you so much. Well, uh, Jordan, let me ask you in your own words, tell us the purpose, the mission of, of How To Life, and uh, you know what goes on at an event. Uh, I, uh, myself, I'm 19 years old. I'm a part of what is known as Generation Z. Generation Z uh, is uh, the current uh, group of teenagers uh, in America. It is the generation comes after the millennial generation. Uh, so this is anybody that's currently in high school or middle school, uh, or maybe a little younger today, uh, born between the mid-90s and uh, the late uh, 2010s or so. And uh, one thing that we've learned about Generation Z, and that's uh, just so true, is that teenagers listen to their friends, other teenagers, often more than anyone else. That's true. Usually that can be such a bad thing uh, that takes place when teenagers don't listen uh, to adults necessarily uh, that uh, are so... Uh, have experienced more life than us and have had the opportunity to experience so much more, uh, yet teens often listen to their friends more than anyone else. Mm -hmm. uh, but the good news is is that when that is used for the gospel, for the sake of sharing the gospel and seeing people come to know Jesus, it can be incredible what God can do with teenagers that are passionate and on fire about Jesus. Uh, my junior year of high school, I really uh, felt passionate about wanting to do something more to reach my friends for Christ at my high school. Uh, I was 16 years old at the time. That was only three years ago. I'm 19 years old now. Uh, and uh, when I was 16 at this event, uh, we, uh, I and my friends mobilized a completely teenage-led youth outreach event where everyone on the stage was ages 18 or under. And we had over 750 teenagers from around my wow. county that came out to a completely teenage-led event in Arkansas to hear the gospel from their friends. Uh, it was so amazing. The event was about two hours long. It consisted of worship, drama, and then a lot of the content of the event was student speakers, teenagers talking about their stories about all that Jesus has done in their life. And it was amazing to see what God did through an event led completely by teenagers to share the gospel. Awesome. Uh, at the end of the event, we had an invitation for kids to come forward to begin a relationship with Jesus. And we had about 75 teenagers that night uh, that began a relationship with Jesus uh, at our How to Life event that took place in March 2015, about three years ago. That's awesome. Out of, out of curiosity, uh, do you have any sense as to how many of these kids were hearing this message for the very first time versus those who maybe had heard it but had never committed themselves to it? Sure. I'd say that, uh, I mean, a lot of the people that attended this event were uh, uh, somewhat connected with churches. Uh, some were not. Uh, it was a, a balance. Uh, I, I have grown up in Arkansas, which is a, a little more what you would call the Bible Belt, but uh, but even so, uh, I don't even really feel like there is a Bible Belt necessarily anymore in the yeah. United States, just given how much, uh, at least for teenagers, for sure, uh, given how few teenagers today uh, truly have a relationship with Jesus. Um, they, uh, they just came out with, uh, with survey results uh, from the Barna Group uh, that uh, it is less than 4%, it is 4% of Generation Z teenagers nationwide that hold a biblical 
worldview. Wow. That means 96% of teenagers in the United States today do not have a biblical worldview. And many of these teenagers would not uh, have that relationship with Jesus at all. And that is just so saddening to me to know that very few teenagers today know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, in the event that we saw happen uh, in 2015, uh, God really showed up uh, and moved powerfully uh, with the teenagers that attended. Uh, and then following that event, that started to kick off what has now been a very fast-growing movement around the country uh, as this movement has spread to 10 states around the country with 27 of these events that have now taken place in just around three years. Uh, This has happened everywhere from Colorado uh, to Georgia, Texas to Ohio, and so many states in between Mm -hmm. uh, where there are similar like-minded, like-hearted Christian teenagers that have been emerging uh, with a heart and passion to want to reach their friends uh, for Jesus in their communities uh, to see what can happen when teens step up to share the gospel. How did you uh, land these different geographic areas? And and then uh, tell us about the age limit thing. Uh, What happens at 18? Yes. Well, it's so fascinating because uh, we live in a day and age to where uh, it is possible for teenagers to find each other uh, in a way that wasn't even possible 10 years ago, and that is because of social media, mm-hmm. uh, but not necessarily even uh, Facebook and things like that, but it is the app Instagram primarily uh, that uh, that is the number one right. uh, social media platform for teenagers today, right. and teenagers are on there, and they uh, can find each other through there, and uh, again, another tool that Satan often uses uh, for bad, for harm, uh, but uh, in this context, what God has been using, he's been uh, uh, connecting teenagers all around the country through social media. Uh, there's some uh, influencers and people that have been uh, sharing about this movement, and, and what that ha- causes is people are finding how to life, this movement, through through Instagram, and then they're messaging us saying, hey, how did you do this? I, uh, and a lot of times we get a very similar story of teenagers that said, I wanted to reach my friends for Jesus in my community. I just didn't know how. I didn't know how to step up and to lead and kind of take next steps uh, to mobilize something. Uh, it, it shows that God is truly, that this is a movement. This isn't just something, this isn't about me. This isn't about, uh, this is completely about Jesus uh, and the fact that God has been laying a similar passion and burden on teens around the country to step up. And what this How to Life movement has become has been a, a, a conduit by which these teens have been able to step up, to lead, to make a difference, uh, to mobilize something in their communities to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's how we've been connecting with so many folks. Uh, people reach out to us, we message them, and uh, and kind of figure out, are they strong spiritually and uh, this and that? Are they the sort of people that could step up to, to do something yeah. like this? And then uh, and now it's truly become kind of a, an organization uh, with uh, with leadership and coordinators and, mm-hmm. and people helping uh, see this expand uh, all over. Uh, and that's how this has been in 10 states. We have had people from 43 of 50 U.S. states reach out about this movement. That's awesome. Wow. So uh, what happens to a kid when he turns 19? I mean, you're 19. What's your role now? I mean, how, he, He's not allowed to say anything. I was going to say, are you kicked out of your own organization? Or how, does, how does that actually work in real time? Sure, and, and definitely. I uh, again, I myself am 19 years old now. Uh, I do not speak at these events anymore. On I was the, joking. On the local event uh, basis. Uh, as uh, as the heart is of uh, this is truly to mobilize teenagers mm-hmm. uh, to step up and to share the gospel with their friends. Uh, so that's what has happened so far. Uh, that doesn't mean that I'm out of the movement necessarily. In fact, uh, this will continue to ideally uh, prayerfully take new uh, phases over time. Uh, 
uh, as uh, as more and more of the, the teenagers that are part of this movement grow older. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, I like to call it even a, it's a generation ministry and generational movement rather than a youth ministry, if that kind of makes sense. Just because, uh, uh, so who knows? This might take on more steps in, uh, as, as more and more teens step onto college campuses and as they uh, go into life. Uh, we'll see what continues to emerge. But uh, in the meantime, uh, there, uh, this has really been building around teenagers uh, in high school and in middle school uh, stepping up to reach their friends for Christ uh, has been the, a huge focus. Where, where are most of these events held? Are they in churches? Are they in public venues? Uh, are there any in public schools that are, that are taking place? It is a balance of uh, kind of all the things you just mentioned. Uh, we've had events in uh our favorite venues are when we can find kind of like just a local neutral venue, like a, like a college or uh-huh. a junior college gymnasium or uh, auditorium or a uh, multipurpose event facility. Uh, when we, uh, when we can pull off an event like that, that's our first choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, when uh, that's not possible, we will uh, look at doing it at a, at an actual high school auditorium uh, uh, in the evening after school and, uh, or sometimes we do these events at churches if uh, if we don't have other options as well. Are the public schools allowing you to do this because it's a student-led deal? Uh, they uh, we we rent a facility just like any facility uh, any group would be able to rent a high school okay. uh, facility as just kind of a public facility for an sure. evening event. It's not during the school day. I see. Hmm. Who underwrites this? I mean, who who's paying the rent? Who's you know, uh, uh, there's got to be a, a bit of a financial outlay to, to put these programs together. How, how is this supported? Yeah. How can parents help? Sure. Uh, every local event, uh, at least in this current phase, uh, is funded completely locally. How to Life Movement itself is a nonprofit organization with uh, that that is a national 501c3 organization uh, uh, that and. Uh, and I'm the founder, kind of CEO of the organization. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, what that allows us is we'll, uh, often we'll raise money in local communities uh, through the national nonprofit uh, for uh, the sake of uh, kind of their local events that they're planning. Uh, so every local community raises the money for their event. And sometimes they are just a couple hundred dollars on the low end uh, or as much as maybe 2000 But that's, uh, that's about the high end of what an event like this can cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, it's very... It doesn't cost much money at all to be able to to put on an event like this, uh, which just shows that this can continue to expand around the country. But the local teenagers are responsible to help raise the money for their local event. And sometimes that's a challenging process, but uh, God continues to provide so that uh, these events can happen in the places that they do. Amen. We're talking today on Licensed to Parent with Jordan Whitmer, founder and CEO of the How to Life Movement. You can learn more and connect through the website, howtolifemovement.com, or just jump onto YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. It's How to Life Movement. We've got to take a quick break on Licensed to Parent, back with more conversation with Jordan Whitmer right after this. Remember back in the late 80s and early 90s as the internet hit the scene? You know, the information superhighway? We had great hopes that this new knowledge economy would make our teens more aware, diversify their tastes, and improve their verbal skills. But the enlightenment didn't happen. Technology has had the opposite effect. What once promised great hope for the future is now used to indulge in diversions. 
The Dumbest Generation by Mark Bauerlein, subtitled How the Digital Age Stupefies Young Americans and Jeopardizes Our Future, or Don't Trust Anyone Under 30, presents a portrait of the young American mind at this critical juncture, revealing the true cost of the digital age and our last chance to fix it. The Dumbest Generation by Mark Bauerlein, available in the store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds benefit the Shepherds Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherds Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and licensed parent to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent. I'm Rich Rosal, along with our host, Trace Embry, and we are talking today with Jordan Whitmer, the founder and CEO of a movement that uh, may have caught your eye if you have been watching any of the news or uh, been on social media. It's called How to Life, the How to Life movement. Jordan, in fact, uh, was referred to by Focus on the Family as being possibly the Billy Graham of Generation Z. Mm. And that uh, them's be large shoes to fill, Jordan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Jordan, uh, I... Uh, uh, I've been telling folks around here at Shepherd's Hill uh, for the last year or two, I'm seeing a difference uh, in the kids coming in the last couple of years. It's almost like they've seen it all, done it all, had it all, uh, and, they're, and they're kind of tired of, of that in a way. Uh, maybe you can correct me where I'm wrong on that, but what would you like your generation uh, to be known for, Generation Z, to be known for as distinctly different from the millennial generation that we hear about so much? That's a great question. I know... Uh, as a member of Generation Z myself, I personally am just uh, so passionate and uh, uh, and uh, and honestly, to, to answer that question the most uh, accurately for for what I would love to see Generation Z known for it is uh, truly that uh, uh, that this might be a generation uh, currently right now, uh, according to uh, the Barna surveys that just came out, uh, Generation Z. I mentioned this earlier, uh, is, is the least, uh, is uh, only 4% have a biblical worldview. And according to uh, the Barna Group, uh, Gen Z is the least Christian generation in American history. And that is so, so saddening to me that yep. uh, our that my generation is, uh, is, is, is already has a label of being the least Christian generation in American history. Uh, that's just so sad. <laughs> and uh, it, uh, many people can look at it as sad uh, uh, however, something that uh, I uh, very much so consider is that while Gen Z might be the least Christian, it also could be the most ready generation for Amen. Jesus uh, in history as well. Yep. You know, uh, you talk about this generation being the least Christian, uh, but it's also the most biblically illiterate. Uh, 
what what does follow-up look like? How does a bunch of 18-year-olds who aren't known for being biblically uh, literate, how how does the, the, the discipleship work in how-to life and uh, where do they go from from there? I mean, how, how do you proceed from an event to real-life discipleship uh, on an everyday basis? Definitely. It's, it, it definitely is kind of a, uh, a case-by-case basis in many ways. Often what we work to do is try to uh, truly uh, bring in as many uh, uh, help teenagers get on the path of discipleship to learn and to, to seek Jesus and to, get, and to, to grow uh, uh, spiritually and uh, grow biblically in, uh, in their understanding of, uh, of, of the Bible and of, of Jesus. And uh, uh, often, uh, again, the, the first goal is to, just, is to help teenagers understand the gospel, understand what it means to have that relationship with Jesus, as, as many teenagers today don't, uh, do not understand what it truly means to have a relationship with Jesus, to have Jesus uh, come into their life and truly be Lord of their life. That's kind of just the first step. And that's often what uh, a huge agenda and priority at our events is. Uh, and then uh, in, the, uh, in the time following that, for kids that uh, make a commitment to Christ, uh, we work very intentionally to, work, uh, to follow up and connect with local churches uh, that, uh, that, that, can, that can be places for these teenagers to grow. Mm-hmm through the strong student ministries in a local area, as well as we're starting to see more and more teenagers reach out and mentor each other and, uh, and just uh, grow in God's Word together. Uh, it's, it's amazing what can happen as, uh, as well. This is both a, a very evangelism-driven movement. There is a huge discipleship element of this, too, uh, as, as a lot of these leader teenagers uh, can help disciple and mentor uh, the students from their communities that are passionate mm-hmm. about Jesus. Uh, people will say that teens really can't effectively disciple other teens. They're just they're just not uh, long in the tooth, gray in the whisker enough to do that. How do you respond to them? Sure, I I definitely believe that teenagers, uh, the the small minority of teenagers that are Christians that do love Jesus, often what is so lacking is they just need to be turned loose to step up and to make a difference mm-hmm. for Jesus. They might not have the decades of. Uh, of experience necessarily that adults would have, but they have zeal and passion and honestly do an incredible, amazing job. And they are listened to by their teens more than, uh, by yeah, other sure. teens more than anyone else. Um, I am a huge believer that uh, truly just empowering teens and turning them loose is, uh, is the best way to just start down that road and amazing things can happen. I believe that, uh, you correct me if you disagree, that by virtue of their generation, they come out confessing Christ unblushingly in the crowds. They're already the pruned Christians, the ones that, uh, uh, you know, maybe my generation said it had to be a second experience to become, you know, uh, what was popular in my generation, we were Christ was Savior for 20 years, and now he became Lord. It almost sounds like this generation, they don't want to, you know, they just don't want Christ as Savior, although that's as important as that is. They, they want him to be Lord. And maybe that in and of itself qualifies them uh, to be disciples of other kids. Because, you know, uh, Oswald Chambers pointed out that Mary Magdalene, you know, she basically was virtually biblically illiterate, but yet Jesus cast seven demons out of her and and he used her mightily. So is, is there something to, the, to be said for, you know, we may not be uh, knowledgeable of the Bible A to Z, inside out and upside down, but what we do know we're living out and that means as much as anything else. Exactly, I would I would absolutely agree. Uh, that that's that's basically what we're uh, what we're living at these days. Our uh, Christian teenagers today are 
uh, are very broken. Again, they might not have all the Bible knowledge yet, and 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 trust me, I want nothing more than to continue to see that uh, to grow and to yeah. see teenagers step up and to learn uh, and to learn the Bible and, and to find unique new ways uh, that to innovate on those ways. Uh, but often, yes, uh, t- teenagers in their brokenness, often Jesus can uh, can relate to them in a more real way than maybe any other generation had that opportunity uh, to do as a teen. Uh, often, uh, as teens uh, are pushed to the brink of just not finding any hope in life, mm-hmm. but they truly need is hope, and and Jesus provides that hope. Yeah, that's teens. actually a question. I don't know if we have time to get to, but I know hope is the number one reason teens give for attempting suicide. But you mentioned brokenness, and just quickly, because we're at, we are out of time, uh, where does this brokenness come from, and what can parents do to mitigate it? Sure. Um, uh, brokenness comes from just so many ways. I believe that just... Uh, uh, Satan is very real, and over the course of many generations in American history and seeing things uh, just overall uh, through society and things just drifting farther and farther away uh, from the society that used to uh, uh, to have uh, Christ a little more featured. Uh, uh, I mean, there have been uh, dark and light times all throughout American history, but, uh, but definitely uh, in the day and age that we live, uh, uh, this brokenness comes from a, a matter of different things and, and now kind of puts us in our current uh, situation of just uh, of, uh, of darkness and, uh, and things that have been uh, more and more drifting away. And mm-hmm. as the generations grow farther and farther apart from each other, it, uh, it just leaves teens to kind of figure things out on their own. And often that leads into brokenness and very negative situations. Yeah, bad decisions. Uh, but the more that parents can... Uh, can can seek to invest in the lives of their kids in a in a positive, uh, genuine uh, way uh, to to reach out uh, is uh, is a way that you can start to uh, just try to speak out and uh, and, uh, and, uh, and 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 earn a voice in your uh, in your kids' lives. Yeah, that comes through relationship. Well, listen, we are out of time. Uh, love to have you back sometime. Maybe uh, uh, follow up with this as we uh, kind of track you where you're at with this. Uh, a lot to talk about. I think parents uh, would really uh, uh, glean a lot of things hearing from uh, someone your age. And one of the things that I really love in hearing about this is you've got a very a very fresh and real perspective on discipleship. I like the fact that you are trying to get teens connected with local churches. It's very hard to disciple someone on a national basis. And so you're keeping it local, yeah. but you're also recognizing as parents, we need to recognize we don't have all the answers, and yet God still calls us to walk through our process of learning with our kids. And so if these are kids walking through the process of learning with each other, all the better. They're growing together, and that's that's a good thing. Jordan, thanks so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you, young man. That's no problem. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been Jordan Whitmer. As we mentioned, he's the founder and the CEO of How to Life Movement. You can learn more and connect through the website howtolifemovement.com or head over to YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. It's How to Life Movement. And this is Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. You'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. Now, as we say every week, just about, we produce our program to try to export some of the hard things that we're learning inside the gates of Shepherds Hill. We want to take them out and present them to you so you can be an intentional parent and uh, can be the kind of parent that your child wants and needs so that neither you nor your child will need residential care in the future. If you can help us with our effort, though, we'd be most grateful. 
Please click on the donate button at the top of the page at licensedtoparent.org and know that your tax-deductible donations could help the work we do at Shepherd's Hill. It help provide scholarship aid to families who need residential care but can't afford it and can help us keep this radio program on the air. Again, just click the donate button. It's located at the top of the page when you visit licensedtoparent.org. Our guest coordinator on License to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosel. Thanks for listening, and please make plans to join us again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.